fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day. Yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of our home. Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Well, hello and welcome to this Friday edition of the Hagman Daily Show. That was, uh, I know the intro music, you probably wouldn't hear it, but me turning my microphone on, uh, it was pretty loud. I was not not ready for that. I got to turn my volume down, but it's great to be here. On this Friday, uh, it's uh, I already feel like half the day's gone. Been up since early this morning, running around. Had to drop the car off to get it inspected. And, uh, and here in Pennsylvania, you have to get your car inspected every year. And uh, being without a car, John had to pick me up, and so I had to go do some shopping this morning to make sure I had groceries in case I didn't get the car back. And here we are now today. So, like I said, John, it's already been like uh, feels like half the day. And uh, we're only, uh, you know, not even halfway through it. We still got to get to and get through the show tonight, which is going to be a, a great show. But we got. <laughs> well, we're good... big, we're, Joe, we're big time guys. Don't you know this at this point? We're, we're, we're in the big time. Uh, we're toting <laughs> each other around town. Uh, you're driving around with my registration. I'm driving around with no registration. Yeah. So listen to this. Because uh, so we're investigators, man. <laughs> yeah, so I dropped. We, I dropped the car off this morning, and they. Uh, I just bring the keys in and put them on the desk. I, I forget that when you get the inspection, you need to give them your registration and proof of insurance. So the guy asked for it. So I would walk back out to the car, go to the glove box, and I hand the papers to the guy. And as I'm walking out the door, uh, he comes out and catches me. He says, hey, uh, this is for a 2006 Pontiac. Now, uh, a long time ago, it seems like forever ago, I used to have a, a Pontiac, Bonneville. And I don't know why I didn't think of this at the time. That was in 1998. And I guess I didn't look at the year. So I thought, you know what? This is the right registration, but they got my old car on here. And uh, so I, I called the office and I explained it to to my old man. And he says, no, you have John's registration. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't even think of that. So John's picking me up anyway. So <laughs> he should have my registration in the car. Well, come to find out, he doesn't. He's been driving around without the registration. <laughs> So by, by, by some form of I, we, there's an algebraic equation out there somewhere where F to the second X plus Y negative three equals Joe's got my registration, which isn't even mine. It's technically the Hagman Investigative Services Incorporated's registration. And I maybe have his. Maybe I don't. I, listen, listeners, if you've got the registration, can you please send it back out to us? Because uh we're in a we're in a well, flat John. tailspin, and these are the people you trust for your news. <laughs> yeah, well, well, guess what? You don't have to worry about the registration. Uh, thankfully, 
Renee renewed it because it was going to be up at the end of next month. So to avoid uh, any issues or whatever, she renewed it and passed the information along to the uh, to the, the car place. So we're all good there. You don't need to go searching through your papers. But oh, uh, yeah, good. just an interesting start to today. Uh, just like every time, and I told John this, and he, he reminds me of this a lot. Before he moved here, I said, John, when you, when you get here, you're going to realize that uh, all you do is, is basically exist between uh, managing one problem to the next. Every, it's always, there's always yep. a problem. There's always yep. something you have to deal with. Um, and that's just the way it is. And that's the way it is every day. So uh, that's why, Joe, that's why I laugh when, you know, let's, I mean, it's Friday and happy Friday to everybody. Uh, look, um, we cover so much, you know, glum, hardcore stuff. And we're going to lead off here in a moment with the, with Newsbusters coverage of the, the, the horror show in, um, uh, yesterday in Maryland. But, um, it, it cracks me up when people have a misinterpretation of, of who we are. Uh, we are, I'd, I'd say, Joe, we're, we're basically blue, blue collar guys who, who have a, a, a platform that we were blessed with that you and your dad developed. And it was a, you know, by a Hollywood definition, it was literally a one in a billion shot that, that, you know, two private investigators from, from Northwest Pennsylvania could start, you know, essentially a hobby show seven years ago. And here we are today with a with a team of uh, of seven of us, and uh, you know, an, a, an enormous uh, a base of support and friends and, and contacts and sources. It's really it's it's nothing short of amazing. And the last thing I'll say about this is when I sometimes look around the studio and I see I see Jackie, I see Tech Eric, I see Doug, Renee, Joe, the other spouses and family members that participate to one degree or another. Of course, Rhonda, who 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 helps us immensely up in New Hampshire and many other people, but I, I marvel that we you could search far and wide. You could employ every headhunter in the country and spend tens of thousands of dollars, Joe, and you would never come up with the team that the Lord just moved together uh, over these past three or four years. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and uh, I think people do have a misconception of of what goes on and and how we are and and how we live. Uh, you guys would be surprised. We're just regular average people going through uh, a very interesting time and in, in occupation. But um, it's it's not glamorous in, in any way. But anyway, let's, let's <laughs> no, get to the not. news. It, hold on. Before we do, I want to say one more thing. It's, it, it's not glamorous. And, and that, I think, listeners, that's maybe why we all connect as well as we do. Um, and, and that's why, frankly, you know, I, I kind of got my feelings hurt a little bit two weeks ago with some of the some of the incendiary remarks because of the whole Tucson thing, et cetera. But we are just like each and every one of you out there. We have sick cats. We've got to run to the vet. We sometimes have to borrow money from each other. Uh, we, 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 we've got the flat tires. We've got the AC that doesn't work. Uh, whoops. The, the, in, the internet's gone down. You know, one of us has got a tummy ache. I mean, this is a very normal family operation. In fact, Joe, if you added some checkered table claws, a few plates and a, cook you know we, we could be like uh you, you know the hey, John. And, uh the bolognese <laughs> you're you're cutting you were cutting out pretty good there and it was almost rhythm rhythmic how you were cutting out but it was uh i don't know i don't know what this is i i actually had my uh, you mentioned the internet go down i had uh no internet at my house for the last two days and i had to get a, a technician out here and they came and they replaced the modem, and now I have a modem and router, and I got a, a whole new, uh, you know, change in the whole network thing. So that was pretty. Uh, I don't know. They switch equipment. You know, we we I, 
they got rid of the router last time. So for like the last two years, I've just had a modem and I like it a lot. It's one piece of equipment. It's the only piece of equipment that I got to worry about. And now they're back to duplicate pieces of equipment of equipment. Uh, but I think that's part of the, the 5g uh, rollout. And, and I wasn't here for the technician, but apparently, um, there's some instructions downstairs about which network to use. Cause you got a 2g and you got a 5g, but interestingly, uh, we all know, you know, that 5g is going up everywhere. And, uh, a lot of people think it's, it's harmful what is happening. We don't know the true cause and effect of, of these Wi-Fi and internet signals, but apparently the, the 5g is for, if you're going to be around the router or whatever, but the, if you want to go outside in your yard or whatever, the guy said, use 2g, which I found was pretty interesting because you'd think the opposite would be true. But apparently not. But we got to find out more about the the 5G, and we're gonna have some shows, at least one or two shows coming up, where we uh, break that down a little bit because I don't think we've talked about that much on this show. But to to start in a place where I wasn't even gonna start, John, I don't even. I read this yesterday. Uh, I was completely disgusted by it. It ruined the rest of my evening. Um, Joel Davis. He was a UN special youth envoy, Middle Eastern Institute intern, and Physicians for Human Rights intern. And he was a special youth envoy against children for sexual abuse. And this guy, uh, I don't know how many people, and he was uh, connected to the Hillary Clinton campaign. He spoke at some TED Talks. He is a graduate of Columbia University. This guy got busted for uh, child pedophilia. He was uh, accused of soliciting undercover FBI agents for their for sex with their children, and he had uh, you know terabytes of child pornography uh, images. But also the if you read the complaint, it is probably not a good idea unless you have a really strong stomach. It's very graphic, and this guy talks about what he wants to do sexually to these children. Like I said, it ruined my whole evening last night from right before the show, about an hour before the show until after the show. Uh, it, it just gave me this awful feeling. And yeah. uh, don't read this. I'm telling you, if if you can't handle this kind of stuff, and, and I can't even ha- handle this kind of stuff. It's so graphic. But if you must read it, it's it's out there. You just search Joel Davis uh, in indictment. And I'm not going to read any of this stuff on air. But he's being connected to the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, in some ways, either he was a paid person on her campaign or he was a volunteer. That has not been established yet, but there's some pictures and images out there of him on the, the campaign trail and whatnot. But the whole point of me bringing this up is anybody who's going to look into this any further, this guy, this didn't happen by accident. This isn't like a uh, exception to the rule. This is the rule. This is the mentality yeah. of these people. Yep, and I'm gonna just I'm just gonna nail a, a point home on this, uh, Joe. First of all, what Joe is saying is not meant to be some kind of teaser or whatever. This this is a no. foul story. Um, I actually uh, this is one of those rare times uh, where where if I were blessed with you know coming out the uh, coming out the outdoor while this guy's going in the indoor, I would just straight up punch him in the nose. Yep. Uh, this this guy's oh, got yes. it coming, and 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 he's he and here's the here's the takeaway from this. Columbia University. He worked for the Hillary Clinton campaign. He's ensconced in not one, but two uh, ostensibly pro uh, defending the defenseless, you know, securing children's rights, uh, you know, anti-child trafficking 
Well, I've got news for listeners, and unfortunately, many of our listeners are aware of this. Uh, that is where a number of these sick, sick, sick reprobate individuals uh, hang out because it gives them the access they need to the defenseless. Joe, on Twitter, and this uh, created a little bit of a firestorm here this morning, but I don't care. Uh, this uh, tweet, I found it at uh, 6 a.m. this morning uh, from authorized personnel at Dr. Nifkin, N-I-F-K-I-N. Uh, of course, Dr. Nifkin has taken the tweet down. Now, I suspect this is a tweet designed to uh, antagonize people, but I just, I just would submit to the listeners, what type of mindset all week long we've been talking about the, uh, the, the inflammatory comments coming from the left. And unfortunately, we'll continue to talk about it because the comments keep coming and, and we sense that there's a lot more coming than comments. But Joe, this from Twitter this morning, quote, when Trump supporters come to my office at the Mayo Clinic, I love misdiagnosing their healthy pregnancies as ectopic so they have to abort their white fetuses. Twitter, I, I reported this to the Twitter. Uh, as yet, Twitter has not responded. Uh, but I said, uh, let this sink in. Here's your typical racist, felonious, I was going to say libtard, but we'll stick with their own words, baby butchery. If ever a tweet was racist and a threat, this is it. Now, this comes on the tail end of a tweet that myself and Laura Loomer, who, by the way, will be on for 30 minutes on the Hagman Report tonight, uh, uh, presented to the Secret Service at Secret Service on Twitter. Uh, some crackpot two days ago uh, said, isn't it time we effing assassinate the president already? And then this, this lady put a gif up of a, a, a female individual wagging a 357 Magnum uh, at the camera. Now, that tweet was taken down by the Twitter account holder. But, Joe, at the end of the day, these people have flipped out. They've gone nuts. Uh, I've got a quick piece, and then we're going to jump into where you want to go. This is uh, just a little little levity here uh, to, get our, to get our show going. Uh, Michael Moore uh, had, came out and said today in The Daily Beast that we need to put our bodies on the line. And I was joking. I, I thought that. to myself, well, Joe and I are exempt from that because Michael Moore can cover at least three of us. So <laughs> you go put – tell you what, Michael Moore, you, you clowny pants man who forgot to put his face paint on today. You can go put your body on the line, but you, sir, are on the wrong side of history. Well, yeah. I mean all these people are. Did you see – oh, shoot. My computer's acting up again. Sorry about that. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, that was – that, that, that was pleasant. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for that. Um, okay, yeah. So these people, you know, you have Hillary Clinton out here uh, calling for strength to resist. And if you read the article, it actually says in there that she is is uh, calling for people to be uncivil and to say, you know, she basically has this uh, this attitude of arrogance where she's basically like, uh, it's President Trump who's the problem, ripping children away from their parents. And, you know, this whole thing about the kid, immigrant kids getting taken from their parents is such a joke. They've they, the, the Obama administration officials admitted that, you know, they did it all the time. And most of the children come here without parents anyways. And the accommodations that they're given are better than how, you know, I'd say 20% of the kids in this country live. And the whole thing's just a, a propaganda piece. But in, in another propaganda piece, we have the shooting yesterday in Annapolis, Maryland at the, uh, what was the name of the paper, John? I don't have it up in front of me. And I'm going to close my browser down so that uh, beeping doesn't happen again. But the, uh, 
the there was a shooting yesterday at a newspaper in Maryland, a subsidiary of the Boston, uh, no, the Baltimore Sun, and uh, it, th- this was on the news yesterday afternoon. And the shooting showed that five people were dead. We got that information pretty quickly. But then we did not, for about three or four hours, no name was released as to uh, the suspect. Well, it turns out that there was a guy, and at first it was reported a guy who was in his uh, you know early 20s, white. Well, the guy's name is, is Jared Ramos. He's 38. And he's had a beef with this newspaper, sued the newspaper, and the newspaper had criminal harassment charges filed against him. And this has been ongoing since like 2012. It's just been this constant. They, apparently, this guy's a, a a lunatic. He he's a, a, a what would you call it? A constant stalker. Any person that interacts with him on social media uh, or anywhere else, apparently, he's stalked. He has a long history. I read through. That sounds, the, sounds like somebody else we know. Joe, yeah, I've he, got the news. Let me jump in and help you out. I've got the newsbusters piece up, and I, I know you're you're uh, you're getting it uh, up for your uh, on your end right now. But uh, this is from newsbusters. Uh, quick special thanks to Julia Seymour, who writes for Newsbusters Business. She joined us last night on the Hagman Report and did a lovely job. Thank you so much, Julia. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, quote, CBS's Gail King links Trump's media talk to latest shooting. Now, this is just ludicrous right out of the gate. Uh, it's clear that this perpetrator uh, is an unhinged individual who had a beef against the Capitol Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland, going back to 2011. And apparently the beef well, revolved around a, a what he perceived to be a defamation, defamation of character type issue. However, it went to court and the court ruled in uh, in favor of the defendants, in this case, the um, the uh, parent company that owns the Capital Gazette. And that parent company, Joe, is uh, it's the uh, Baltimore Sun, I believe, is the parent company. Yep, that's right. And um, I don't know what's going on with the internet. I don't know what's going on with the internet right now, but I'm having the same problems. The stories that I'm and there you go are almost like they're disappearing out of my queue. Yeah, you're uh, you're, you're in and out, John. It's uh, uh I don't know it, it what's going on with the internet, but I, like I said, it's been acting weird here too. But uh, yeah, into this, this two newsbusters pieces. Uh, CBS's Gail King links Trump's media talk to latest shooting, and she goes on to talk about how it's based. It's Trump's fault that this guy shot up the newspaper, as well as uh, a lot of celebrities and other media personalities are saying the same thing. You caused this. Media blame Trump for newspaper shooting on Twitter. Both of those pieces are up on NewsBusters.org, so check those out. But there's a, a more interesting piece I want to read from Fox News dealing with this same issue from a Reuters reporter. Uh, a top editor at Reuters apologized on Tuesday night after blaming the president for the Capitol Gazette shooting in a now-deleted tweet that was sent during a state of emotional distress, according to the reporter, but he still might be disciplined by the International News Service. Reuters breaking news editor Rob Cox admitted that he responded emotionally and inappropriately after being called out for jumping to the conclusion prior to the facts emerging that police said the suspected gunman eventually identified as, as Jared Ramos targeted the newspaper after a lengthy feud regarding a 2012 defamation lawsuit. This is what happens when at real Donald Trump calls journalists the enemy of the people. And it goes on, it says, uh, blood is on your hands, Mr. President. Save your thoughts and prayers uh, for another time. And this is what this guy tweeted out. And we see, obviously, that this was not 
the case. And this is what a lot of the media personalities did yesterday, immediately playing the victim card as some sort of, oh, like they're innocent and all this. They're not the ones responsible. See, it's not the president's rhetoric. What has the president said? Has he said to kill the media? Has he said to riot and disrupt them? No. What has he done? Oh, you mean he's called out their lies and their abusive propaganda that they've done for more than, you know, two and a half, three years trying to discredit and humiliate him. And that is the rhetoric. You don't blame Maxine Waters when she's telling people to to disrupt other people's lives to the point where they can't live a normal life in peace without without being disrupted because of their political beliefs. That's not the rhetoric we need to blame. And if you see what's interesting, Maxine Waters came out and played the victim card again, saying, oh, I had to cancel some events in uh, Texas and Alabama because of very credible death threats. And the Capitol Hill police say they're investigating those. And again, you know, maybe there are some wackos out there who would waste their time sending a threatening letter to Maxine Waters. But seriously, I mean, these people, they sit there it, it, they're like the uh, this kid in school who who will run up and sucker punch you in the face and then tell the teacher that you started the fight. That's what these people are. But it's worse than that. It's much worse than that. They're worse than little infant, you know, children who don't get their way. They're dangerous because they have at least what ten percent of the population that believes in the uh, insane, twisted ideology that they believe in. And more liberal writers, John. I saw this uh, a writing this morning, an article this morning. That, you know, you mentioned the report last night about uh, you're lucky it's only restaurants and uh, that are your, your meals are getting disrupted and it's not bombs that are going off. Well, another reporter today wrote, yes, uh, you know, you're going to see these bombings. Get ready for it, uh, conservatives, because they're coming. They're right. not and backing so, down. Exactly. And so hopefully my audio is a little better, Joe. I, I, uh, I got out the duct tape, the paper clips and the Bible, and hopefully we've got, you know, something. Can you hear me? Am I? coming through better now yeah okay so um agreed agreed and agreed now reflecting quickly back on the hour that john b wells caravan to midnight.com spent with us night before last on the hagman report and that was hour two uh of wednesday evening uh he reminded us of this board of broadcast governors now this this story came and went back in like 2011 2012 and i remember um uh was a source that I used a lot back then. Eric King over at King World News. It's a great, great source for primarily contrarian economics. But uh, back then, there was the the, the whole f- uh, fair use thing was was really hot, and there was I don't remember his name, but there was a senator who was pushing for a, a different type of control that the uh, that the FCC would be able to uh, sort of blanket the entire internet with, and it was a it was a a, a frightful moment because. This would have been kind of a, a, a kill switch moment. And forgive me, listeners, this is going way back, and I, I was not planning on talking about this today. But John B. Wells reminded us that there is a board of broadcast governors. Now, yeah. that, that alone, that doesn't sound American. That sounds like some kind of Soviet euphemism, a board of broadcast governors. But what are they responsible for? Well, in part, they're responsible for determining which propaganda – goes where and we'd be remiss if we didn't remind our listeners that barack hussein obama joe and maybe you can pick the story up from here uh actually uh was a proponent of and i believe he signed either a a law or an executive 2013 
uh, he allowed, which allowed propaganda again to be uh, into the the news business. So there's an actual law on the books, part of the NDAA 2013, that has a provision in it that says propaganda is now legal again. And I don't have the exact uh, the verbiage of what exactly the law says, but it is it's very similar to what I just stated that propaganda is legal and allowed to be used by the mainstream news media. And it's, you know, the media is only the outlet that pushes the propaganda, that pushes the talking points, pushes the ideology. They're not the ones that come up with it. The ones who come up with it are these deep state think tank, satanic elitists. And then they disseminate their talking points throughout their, you know, liberal media uh, uh, platform landscape. And those media talking heads, you know why they get paid so much is because they are, uh, you know, the ones who are, are, going to disseminate these talking points. And that's why I wonder how many of these news broadcasters actually, how important is it to believe the lies you tell? I would think it's very important, right? Uh, John, could you do a job that you are getting? Oh, I don't know. Uh, could you could you go on TV and knowingly mislead people I for mean, five million a year? No, yeah, no, I, I couldn't. I but I was but I was without getting too into the weeds here. I was part and party to this massive machine that is designed to mislead the entire mindscape of the American people. Now, one of my, one of the last shows I had a good long run on was 2010 through the, through the, uh, through November, 2012, where I did three seasons of pretty little liars for ABC family, but it shot at, it actually shot at Warner brothers. And if you go back and, uh, you know, I don't know if our listeners would care to do this. Probably some of your daughters are actually into the show. It was really popular, but that program, uh, at the time, Joe, I was just, just going through the red pill process. And that program was designed uh, to to warp the minds of young women. The title of the program is Pretty Little Liars. And the basis of every script, it went like six seasons. I worked on the first three. But the, the gist of every script was these girls have this supernatural issue where their dead friend is coming back around and they're being stalked. They're being potentially gang stalked by some character named A. And... <clears throat> And they lie so much that each script is this massive ball of, of conundrum because, you know, as the scriptures tell us, a lie begets another lie begets another lie. So so for me personally, to be blessed with exoneration from uh, – and I was – I mean I was in charge of the sets. I wasn't writing the scripts, thank God. But, but uh, to be exonerated from that and then to be placed – you know, I guess what, five years later, six years later since Liars, but three years since I left Hollywood, almost three years. With the Hagman Report, it has been an enormous blessing, 180 degree turn um, to to now be a, a critical part, frankly, of, of crafting and the content of each evening show, trying our level best to get the truth out. And this is the trick, Joe. This is what's so amazing. You often make this comment. If CNN would utilize their resources, which are enormous – I stood in line behind a CNN reporter headed to Iraq at the right. There's a Bank of America right next door to CNN's West Coast headquarters on Sunset Boulevard. I'm sure both of them are still there. And I stood in line behind a guy who had a letter of credit and pulled out a quarter million dollars in cash. He was there with his with his cameraman. And they were they were literally en route to LAX to get on a plane and go to Baghdad. This was back in probably about 2003 or four. So CNN has enormous resources. If one man can pull out a quarter million dollars in cash to skip off to Baghdad, if they applied that to simply trying to tell the truth, 
then they would be they would be the most explosive successful news platform in the history of news yeah but of course they remained deluded under the 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 frankly the satanic delusion and the counterfeit of fake news and of lying for a a, a mainstream uh, narrative that is always leaning toward the left, always leaning toward the victimization, uh, and it's personified by people like Maxine Waters. And, and what grinds my gears is that she uh, fires up all these low information, no information people, many of whom, Joe, have a misguided, a satanically deluded altruism in their souls, and they actually think they're doing the right thing. Joe, I know Stephen's standing by. I, I want to make sure I get this out today. It, it'll take 60 seconds, but this is such a sweet little story. And you saw uh, this when I uh, picked you up from the auto place. Uh, I would encourage our listeners. It's Friday. If you need a little, if you need a little bit of warmth in your heart, go to dailymail.co.uk and check this uh, article out. Dad to the rescue. Father clutching a baby runs onto stage to hold his ballet dancing after she suffers stage fright and becomes the star of the show. And I, I tweeted out, now this is a real man. Does he look silly? Absolutely. But he's backing his little girl up, giving her confidence and showing her love from the most important man in her life. How different would the world be if more grown daughters knew their worth? That article is at dailymail.co.uk or simply go to at Robertson John on Twitter. It's on my feed. It is just such a sweet little article. Joe, my entire adult life in San Francisco, Oakland, Hollywood, uh, Seattle, I have been around many, many, many women and men too, but particularly women who, who somehow their fathers zigged when they should have zagged. They missed opportunities and these individuals are struggling through life because they don't know their self-worth. And in, in, the, in England yesterday, this attorney jumped up on stage in a ball cap carrying an infant and did pirouettes with his little, probably five-year-old daughter because she froze on stage with tears in her eyes and daddy came to the rescue. That man is a real man. And I say to him, God bless you, sir. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting story, and uh, again, that's at the the Daily Mail. So, folks, check that out. And we do have Stephen Menking standing by. We were because of all the internet and, and computer issues I've been having uh, that are only half resolved at the moment. We were unable to do a show Wednesday, but uh, Stephen Menking has uh, been able to to switch and, and come on today instead of Wednesday. So, Stephen, it's great to have you on. Sorry about Wednesday. I know we we've only been able to talk via text, but uh, I got a. a broken computer screen here and then my i had to get a technician out here to fix some some problem with my my modem yesterday and that uh was finally resolved so thanks for uh being patient and, and being flexible well i appreciate that guys thank you again for the opportunity to be here with you and your fantastic audience joe how'd you get that cracked computer screen was that uh all the time you spent on the cnn website these days <laughs> Well, you know, that's a great question. I have no idea. I, on Sunday night, I went to sleep. I remember shutting the computer. Nice and one. Steven. Monday morning, I opened it up and it's cracked. And I, I, it wasn't you know ten feet from me when I slept, and I didn't you know do anything. I didn't get up in the night, so I have no idea. I, you know, stuff happens all the time that it just, I don't know. Could be spiritual. Could be uh, a cat. I don't know. 
I don't know, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it to general entropy and the winding down of the universe, the gradual decay of all things, apart from the regenerating power of God that sustains us each and every day. Uh, gentlemen, you know, whether we're going through a season of tumult and the anticipation of even up to and including political violence and for others great anticipation of, of good things on the horizon, whether we look at uh, technology or politics or the economy or spirituality, there does seem to be a division that is based on attitude. And it's very difficult to pin everything down because this, of course, gets into the level of the individual. And when you generalize and render abstractions, that typically will turn a conversation into more more bickering and snarkiness than we would like to intend. To make things a bit more concrete here, when we're examining items such as the shooting in Maryland yesterday or the Supreme Court decisions and the opening of the seat that Justice Kennedy has held since the 80s, or we think about the situation in immigration at the border, or we think about the petrodollar, or we think about New Age influence inside of the Christian church, or, you know, we get, we get to a point where we can ultimately have a couple options at the table. The, the first is being so wound up by these things that we end up making mistakes even with good intentions. And the second option is to return to the source of security and serenity in our faith. And this is not the false peace of nothingness established through transcendental meditation or uh, finding oneness with the universe, so to speak, or any of those kind of pieces of terminology. It's from a concrete, real spiritual relationship with the one who created us and the one who went to the cross to save us. So let's set the table here, gentlemen, with another psalm. This is going to be Psalm 62, uh, and it's I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, a calm resolve to wait for the salvation of God. This is from David. Again, Psalm 62 from the New King James. Truly, my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall in a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Salah. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one 
according to his work. So, gentlemen, when we think about this psalm, which has a particular rhythmic capacity to it. Of course, the psalms were meant to be songs played in, uh, in worship or in outcry. The end of this, that power belongs to God and so does mercy. And God is sovereign and he renders to each one according to his work in due time, whether on this side of eternity or following the judgment. Gentlemen, when I sit and I look at my computer, or I look at my phone, or I look at the world around me, there is only one way for me to be able to maintain a steadiness of composure and a proper frame of mind in order to deal with the situations that are unfolding around us. And that is to keep my eyes steadfastly affixed on the Lord and to earnestly earnestly each and every day pray that God's Holy Spirit would be with me. And I don't know, gentlemen, how else it's even possible to begin to manage these things. I mean, it only takes about 30 seconds on social media to realize that you're trying to wade between pits of vipers on one side, alligators on the other. It's just a mess. It's a disaster, and people are all out of sorts. Where is the peace? Where is the joy of the Lord? Where are these things? They have been ripped from us slowly over the course of our lifetimes and even generations prior by craftiness, by plans, by plots, by everything that would work against the people of God and would exalt itself above God. We know Psalm 62 calls out these people. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Gentlemen, and all of the audience listening, we can't be those people, those double-minded, those two-faced, those unprincipled actors, because when we start sniping, in, and we know where that, where that line is and, and when we cross it, and there is tremendous temptation to do so each and every day. And plenty of people make their entire, entire living and their entire role on that kind of activity. Gentlemen, we are called to a higher calling here. To rely on God, to wait, and to receive the patience that we need while we wait. In order to have joy, even amidst trials, knowing what will happen to our faith as a result. Well, very well said, Stephen. And uh, uh, I knew, you know, I, I didn't mention this to John, but if I had to bet where you were going to read from, uh, I, we were going to say Psalms. It's been a, an ongoing topic with me and John for the last few weeks because you've been reading Psalms every time you come on, and it's always very timely and uh, important. And the patience part, you know, you're right. Without the, the insanity of the world, I see, I read so many comments and uh, uh, different internet forums where people just post their, their thoughts and, and opinions about things. And I see a lot of uh, people talking about how, uh, yesterday, for example, I read uh, a thread on, on a forum which was titled, uh, you know, any Christians feel like uh, they're not part of this world or, or that the world has become so insane that it doesn't even make sense to them. Uh, except through their faith. 
And I feel that way all the time. I mean, it, there's no other explanation uh, for the things that we see happening in our world other than the spiritual influences that guide them. And we need to be on, on the right side of that, obviously, but we also need to be disciplined first and foremost in our faith life. And, and we talk about this many times, making an effort, you know, just to pray first thing in the morning or as soon as you get a chance uh, to do that dis- regularly. Yep. And how much of a difference that makes in your daily gotta- life. I've got to jump in here, and uh, both of you gentlemen know this, and I do apologize to the listeners because I'm definitely in broken record land on this one, but uh, that post-it note is still right above my pillow every night and every morning when I wake up, and we had a guest on the Hagman Report, and I, I, I apologize, I do not recall who it was right now, but they stated that it takes 21 to 40 days to either start a habit or to break one, and I've heard that before over the years, and How so my habit, my, 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 my what's that, a joke? 40 days, you said? 21 to 40 days, yeah, is what the guest said. And my sincere effort, and I think I'm at probably about 21 days now, uh, maybe a little short, is to pray at the beginning of each morning. And it's not some long, drawn-out Hallmark card prayer. Uh, Jesus tells us very specifically how to pray. And, um, And so it's just a brief prayer every day, but it's simply, Lord... I'm outside of my own strength and I'm relying completely on yours. My hands are not on the wheel. Yours are. I don't know what's coming up down the road, but you do. Therefore, I surrender my will to to your will because you are my God. You're omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. And it's just a prayer. I guess you could say it's a prayer of, 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 of humility and it's kind of a, a prayer of thanking him for grace. The last thing I want to mention is something that Tech Eric said uh, a week or two ago, and I thought this was so profound. He said, you know, a pastor of mine uh, instructed me years ago that we all pray as an articulating, proactive uh, speech type thing. Maybe you pray in your head or maybe you pray out loud, but prayer is also a listening. There's two sides to the, to praying. You know, there's also the listening component. And Tech Eric was saying, you know, um, we can we can pray by simply listening to the Lord as well. I, I thought that was actually really uh, cool. Again, that's from Tech Eric. Yeah, and that might even be more difficult for us to do in this time of frenzied activity, but the dynamic of being still, knowing that God is God and waiting on him and trusting in his timing, that is enough of a habit maker to change the way that our hearts are oriented towards the world. And so it's a fantastic point. We will typically, because of the outward display of of prayer that is typically religiously defined and everything else like that, um, tend to eschew that negative space. And by negative space, I just mean the absence of us doing things, but we need to receive from God, and keep this in mind, gentlemen, that God already knows what we need, and God already knows what we're what we're going to say. So it's not like we're you know breaking news coming across the cryon in the in the throne room. Uh, it's more like you know we need to uh, petition for our own sakes, and then we need to spend more time in that receptive posture where we can get from God that instruction that we need to not rely on our own understanding. One one dynamic that I did want to mention here, and then we can get into whatever topic you gentlemen prefer, is that when we are making decisions, we have to pay attention not just to what the 
best explanation of things are so that we can chart a path forward to the extent that we can even do so. But we also need to pay attention in the background to what I can refer to here as the phenomenon of live options. So consider it this way. Let's make it a bit more intelligible here. So for someone who is a naturalist, who has a worldview that everything can be explained in in physical terms and that there's nothing uh, outside of that scope, either in what we can know or in, more strictly speaking, what actually exists. And so the explanations that that person would consider for, let's say, the answer to the question, why is there something rather than nothing, or how did the universe come about, is not going to consider the intervention of a uh, of God or some other uh, supernatural force as a live option. And so as a result, they're left swimming around in a pool and they're going to be picking and choosing the best option, the option with the most explanatory power and scope, uh, the smallest degree of ad hocness, uh, the simplest and, and most elegant, the explanation from their pool of live options. And what I would encourage everyone to do is that if we are pigeonholing ourselves, it could be that we're doing a good job of finding the best explanation or the best decision, but we may be missing out on a whole other pool of live options. And so what do I mean by this in a more concrete way in terms of facts on the ground rather than more abstract cosmology and philosophy? What I mean is that when we're looking at a political dynamic, we can often be trapped into a prism where we can find a good explanation, we bicker back and forth, but we're not really considering the full spectrum of live options. And that will typically come about and manifest itself through confirmation bias, uh, where we will make judgments about, about things, and then we will put that to the side, and then we will focus our attention elsewhere, and while activity is still going on in that, in that previous kind of, uh, kind of venue, so that we're not up to date on it, because we've already excluded it and it's no longer a live option. And so when we're dealing with things in our lives, it's less this abstract reasoning that the, of the cosmological type. And so we can't afford to be too narrow in our in our focus when it comes to these live options because it will lead us to missing out on things. And uh, to be even more precise here, I see this a lot when it comes to the work that I do in terms of blockchain and cryptocurrency and technology in general. What I find is that the the live options for people are more like what I've heard about this from different sources is scary or it could lead to dangerous ground prophetically. And so I will... I will put it all to the side and render that not a live option for the economic or investment or technological decisions that I'm going to make about my life. I'm just going to exclude that category entirely. And in particular, in this technological example, the dynamism and the pace of change and the movement in that space is such that if you exclude that as not being a live option and then you ignore it for two years, what you what is for you a dead option is now something completely different than what you thought. And the cryptocurrency and blockchain ecosystem 2016 versus 2018 are extraordinarily different. The The landscape has changed, the parameters have changed, and so what I would encourage people to do 
when they're making decisions about uh, about their about their lives and about what to what to do, not just in a financial or a technological uh, setup, but about how they approach their family or politics or beliefs in general. I would encourage people to every, every once in a while go through, you know, ask those kind of questions, ask and really seek God on this, because, you know, for us to to parse our own understanding in such a precise manner is extraordinarily challenging. It is it is something that uh, people are not very well able to do, and that includes myself, because, gentlemen, if you are only looking at a pool of live options, then you have to look outside of that counterintuitively to the things that are not in that current pool. So hopefully I'm making a bit of sense here. My My real my real push, the final point in the thesis, if I had to tie it up, would be ask God to open your eyes in all manners, that he would direct your paths and that he would lead you and that he would open a door for you to um, to develop a broader understanding and a more nuanced approach to different topics. Because frankly, gentlemen, the state of dialogue, whether we're talking about blockchain or politics or even even spiritual matters, the state of the dialogue is very this, this or that, and then I'm going to treat people based on where they fall on those lines. And if we persist in that way, then that is a guaranteed uh, course of division, and that is a course of division that the enemy wants us in and does not have for themselves in a hive mind kind of mentality. So it's, it's time for us to understand how to deal with things with grace, and we need to ask God for the openness of mind of course, couched with the background of his word to consider the pool of live options and to broaden our understanding in order to make more appropriate decisions. Amen. You know, Steve and I had an opportunity to speak with our, our mutual dear friend, Pastor Mike Spaulding, uh, the other day. And uh, actually on Wednesday, when we were unable to do the show due to IT uh, difficulties, um, I, I opted to utilize that time to do a, a Bible study, uh, an unplanned Bible study with Pastor Mike Spaulding, and we were going through Mark chapter 9. And one of the notes I made that uh, Pastor Spaulding was emphatic about, and I think this ties in nicely, Stephen, he said, he said, look, John, God already knows this. Okay, now the this is applicable to whatever our listeners have that is resonating or perhaps pounding at their hearts he already knows this, and he already has a plan. Now, I believe this is from Proverbs. Uh, it's either I think it's Proverbs sixteen nine. It might be nine sixteen, but I'm pretty sure it's sixteen nine. And I, I learned this a couple years ago from another dear friend, Pastor Flip Benham. Uh, and the 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 I have to paraphrase the scripture, but it, it's essentially a man makes his plans but the Lord orders his steps. And I think that when we look, gentlemen, at the at the incredibly divisive rhetoric, the shooting yesterday, Joe, you've been really on this. Uh, like you've just been all over this. The 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 violent hypocrisy of the left decrying the announced retirement of Justice Kennedy. Why? Because it could potentially put their baby butchery industry out of business, while at the same time proclaiming as Maxine Waters did in front of the Los Angeles federal building at a toy drive, no less that we are for the children and we've got God on our side and the Bible is on our side. And that woman is speaking 
whether she knows it or not, with a reprobate and satanic counterfeit tongue. And uh, Joe, before I hand it back to you, I'm going to drop one more little piece of uh, of wisdom from Pastor Mike Spaulding. And by the way, you can find him at Soaring Eagle Radio on Twitter or go to ontheobjective.org, where Stephen Menking, our guest, is very diligent in posting not only his original content, but also many, if not all, of Pastor Mike Spaulding's guests, which are phenomenal A-list guests, uh, from Soaring Eagle Radio, soaringeagleradio.com. Anyway, housekeeping aside, Pastor Mike says that he and his wife, Kathy, have decided that they are uh, working from a new platform and the, 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 uh, um, of ideas, and it starts with, quote, positive solutions based on spiritual principles. So again, from Pastor Mike Spaulding, and I hope this helps somebody out there today because it is certainly helping me. Positive solutions, gentlemen, based on spiritual principles. Uh, Joe or Stephen, I'll give it back to you. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the what you said with what you did with Pastor Mike, Mike Spaulding, I know uh, you talked to me about that, uh, you know, immediately after, and apparently it was uh, very productive. And we should take some time to do more in-depth uh, Bible and biblical studies here on air. But yeah, the hypocrisy, uh, John, this this uh, is a good segue to where I want to go with, with Stephen being on. Uh, the hypocrisy they left is absolutely amazing. They With one side of their mouth, they, they cry about the poor children, but with the other side of their mouth, you know, they, they're crying about uh, the potential for Roe v. Wade to be overturned and the, and the killing of babies in the womb. Uh, you know, that right that uh, somehow uh, they've created for women would be taken away. It's it's such a joke. And for anybody with any with an ounce of common sense or spiritual discernment, we'll be able to see right through these people's hypocrisy. But, uh, Stephen, I want to ask you this. You're from New York. I know you're probably not in this district. But this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, this lady came out of nowhere. She beat a 10-termed, uh, uh, what was it, a congressman, Crowley from New York, who the left was saying if they regained power, was, he was going to be one of the candidates to be speaker, the new speaker of the House. But she has uh, apparently, from everything I've read, uh, emerged from this one area with this socialist platform and as peter chaukas points out socialism is a multi-generational strategy and some of the first things she says were universal uh, uh, uh health care taxpayer funded jobs taxpayer funded houses oh yeah and let's impeach president trump how, how are people like this getting elected well keep in mind that this is going to be a democratic primary in right. a very blue area and the money and the force of people who are showing up are going to be the most intense uh, activist types and people who are passionate about politics and so inside of the new york bubble sphere the direction that you go in is less this I mean, I hesitate to call it a vintage Democratic Party, but you know, it's it's now a party, or a party of people, and it's less it's less of a party. It's more divided. So what you're what you're going to see, I'd imagine, as we continue, go through primary season and everything else, is the more um, the more fanatical groups who are now essentially communist in policy and, uh, you know, and call themselves by a different name, you know, those are the people who will be putting up, uh, putting up candidates. It's not going to be the conventional wisdom of, oh, we need to go to the center to attract people. It's that, 
you better you better toe the line. Otherwise, you're not going to get the money that you need, and you're not going to be able to generate the intensity that you need. Was well, that mean, a winning? The, the problem. Is that a winning? Uh, do you see the extreme element of the Democratic Progressive uh, Communist Party? Do you see that being a, success, a successful platform to run on uh, nationwide? No, particularly not in the swing states that that Trump won, and so that's the that's the big problem for the sort of establishment Democrats that they're being challenged from the left by the literal communists and Bernie Sanders acolytes, and they're being challenged from you know from the right with more more credible anti-establishment candidates, and you know you could see what what might happen if let's say. Maxine Waters loses to Omar Navarro, even you know though she has that district in in lock and key. It really is an enthusiasm thing, particularly because we're here in a midterm, and the Democrats need to generate voter enthusiasm with this fanatical um, vilification of Trump and all of his supporters, uh, as well as by you know running people who can generate that uh, that approach, and that is typically going to be the younger cohort and these are the people who have been indoctrinated into the socialist mindset and so you're going to get this radicalization of of the party and it's going to work in states where democrats outnumber republicans four to one so but basically, in the swing states it's going to be a disaster so it's going to be the coast it's going to be new york city uh california and and florida uh you know maybe parts of, like austin you're going to see this surge of of radical leftists, uh, you know, gaining momentum and traction, but through the rest yeah, of the I would, country. I would imagine that that would also take place, let's say, in Seattle and yeah. in Portland and in the in the Northeast in in general, although mostly in the New York City kind of area, and that it would it would represent a further bifurcation of. Uh, of the country, but there just isn't. If we're talking about Middle America, states that were traditionally uh, traditionally blue, even uh, in terms of the Rust Belt and other things like that, there's just no patience for that kind of for that kind of activity. I think people want a return to smaller government, like less less hysteria. They want to be able to live their lives in peace, and if you if you're not looking at the media, then we seem to be headed at least marginally in that in that direction. If you look at the media, then everything's on fire all the time. But that's not necessarily the way that it is. Now, I would say that I, I wouldn't anticipate that the slate of candidates that go up for election in, in the 2018 midterms would all be as representative as this one from New York is in terms of the radical nature of their views but that's the basic that's the basic platform that can motivate the young court uh, cohort of voters to get out there and to generate uh, generate interest in a, in a primary so if people get complacent then they lose and the establishment both on the right and the left has been incredibly complacent and as a result you end up in a scenario where you know Trump takes Pennsylvania and yeah. uh, and all these different states that nobody ever would have thought, quote unquote. But it just goes to show how how tone deaf people are. But, you know, I don't think we're going to get a surge in. Uh, I don't think that there will be a blue wave of socialists coming to no. coming to impeach Trump. That's just I really am having a hard time envisioning that scenario in uh 
it, it, I mean, I suppose it's not, it, I suppose it's not impossible, but I think that the more that the media and uh, establishment organizations attack the president, the more his base is solidified and the more his base is going to be motivated uh, because of, you know, you look ahead at the potential for not just not just one extra Supreme Court pick uh, with with Kennedy's retirement, three, but maybe two others in Steven. terms of in terms of Trump. So you can't get hamstrung there. I think I think people are motivated on the on the right more than the left. On the left, they're motivated by hysteria. So that has a half life on it. That's exactly right, and that's a a great analysis of the current political climate in this country. Folks, we're out of time. SimplyCleanFoods.net is our sponsor. The promo code SimplyClean. Take advantage of all the survival, storable food and accessories there. We'll see you back here on Monday. The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com.